0: Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path, where we share a modern take on timeless wisdom to help you develop unshakable inner peace so that you can live a liberated life. I'm your host, Victor Tony, founder, head coach, and trainer over at Zen Stoic. Be sure to follow me at victor.zenstoic on social for updates, content, and ask me directly your most important questions. Let's get into the show. So I thought I'd start this episode with a Zen story that I really enjoy. There was once this monk who was very, very committed to his practice and very excited about the proposition of enlightenment. And so, he went to the monastery where he was at to meet this new Zen master that he was going to train with. And he sat down and he said, He said, Master, I, would, I need to learn the ways. I, I want to become enlightened and, and I'll do whatever it takes. The master said, just sit down and eat your porridge and we'll talk about it later. So the monk sits down and he eats his porridge. And he eats his dinner as fast as he possibly can and he's just he he goes through it he just kind of wolfs it all down and then he goes to the master and says master i finished my dinner now now will you show me the ways of enlightenment he goes if you finish your dinner then you'd better wash your bowl and in that moment the monk was enlightened welcome to the final section of our eight-part series of the zen stoic rendition of the eightfold path integral concentration now the original phase in the eightfold path was right concentration now right concentration essentially refers to the ability for one to have single pointed focus into a specific direction to create total concentration presence and immersion in a single thing at a time now this is typically done through the practice of meditation and through meditative states so right concentration is the ability to steadily focus one's mind on a single point of focus that could be a sound that could be a specific visual or that could even be the breath now when it comes to meditative practice this is typically how meditation is practiced it is focused on a single thing to create that steadiness and stillness and single pointed focus on whatever the object of focus is and this is how one develops right concentration now when we talk about it in the zen stoic rendition of the eightfold path i include a couple other aspects of this to create integral concentration now when we began the Zen rendition of the Eightfold Path, I talked about three pillars of liberation. We had innate wisdom, inspired action, and intentional focus. Now, these three pillars mirror the three aggregates of Buddhism, which are wisdom, conduct, and meditation. Now, the way we want to discuss them in this particular episode is we're talking about the third pillar of liberation, which is intentional focus. Now, intentional focus has three parts. So the last two episodes that we did, were referring to the previous two parts. The first one being integral effort, which has to do with having all of your intentions focused on whatever it is that you're doing that's worthwhile or meaningful to you. So it is bringing together the four intentions of Zen Stoic philosophy and bringing them into effort at any one time so that you are 100% intentional and at cause in whatever result or endeavor that you are pursuing. And then the last episode, we talked about integral awareness. Now integral awareness is not just having total intentionality and appropriate effort based on the context and what it calls for, but it is also being aware of yourself, your bodily sensations, the somatic sensations that you're experiencing. The emotions that you're having the worldly feelings like we talked about before as well as the unworldly feelings that we are discussing as well as being able to be totally aware of your mind right being in integral awareness is really important for our concentration because if we are unaware of the things that are distracting us we are not going to be able to achieve total one-pointed focus and concentration now why is concentration so important think about it what would it be like to be able to focus your energy on any one thing in your life that you wanted to accomplish and be able to be totally present and in flow each and every time you did that? Or what if you could simply decide that no matter how much distraction is going on around you, whether it's noise or visual distraction, that you'd be able to still focus your energy just like you were meditating, even in a public environment or an environment that has a bunch of noise and distractions all over the place. What would that be like? That's what it is to have integral concentration. It is the ability to concentrate totally and completely with intentionality even though there may or may not be distraction or chaos around you so when we talk about intentional focus this means that we are totally intentional on what we are focusing on now while intentional focus might seem simple it is often one of the most difficult aspects of the three pillars of liberation now the reason why intentional focus can be difficult is because we are consistently managing two worlds of energy The internal energy that we experience, our internal world, as well as the external world. Now, if you remember back when we talked about integral view, we discussed this idea of perception is projection, which is a fun way of saying that the external world that we experience is a reflection of our internal world. So in other words, what we experience on the outside and what we notice is we're actually noticing ourselves in everything and everyone. Because what filters our perception are our own beliefs, values, and attitudes. So when we're managing these two worlds, oftentimes something can come up in our life, something that we don't like or something that challenges us or that triggers us emotionally. And because it does, we immediately, from an egoic perspective, feel that that thing is not us and that we feel totally against whatever that thing is. So you might see a person exhibiting a certain behavior. And maybe it triggers you emotionally and you think to yourself that you couldn't be more different than that person. But the reality is, if it's coming up in our projection, in our external world, then it is a projection of what is going on inside. It is a reflection of something within us that is unresolved. We talked about Carl Jung at length in many of these episodes and how until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you'll walk around calling it fate. So the reason why intentional focus can sometimes be challenging is because oftentimes we have experiences and things that we see around us that emotionally trigger us that are not exactly ego approved and therefore we disidentify with them in a way of not so much disidentifying or detaching emotionally but rather increasing the emotional attachment because what we're doing is we're outright rejecting whatever it is that we're seeing and acting as though it is not actually part of our internal world and if we reject parts of ourselves they show up unconsciously in our world and end up expressing themselves in ways that we might not approve from a conscious standpoint and so when we observe things in our external world that essentially show us things that we don't like or that we wish not to be It is important for us to use our integral awareness to take a moment and really reflect upon what is it within me that is unresolved that is causing this emotional trigger because things only trigger us emotionally because we carry emotional debt that is related to that thing that might be triggering us in our environment so if we're going to have intentional focus it is all about being able to bring our focus back to what we want bring our focus back to the reality that we seek to create an experience that's all intentional focus is it is about really focusing on what we desire to experience now the reason like we were saying why this can be difficult is because the external world often has distractions and those distractions that show up as projections as reflections of our internal world are often reflecting parts and aspects of ourselves that we've cast away in the shadows that we've rejected and attempted to disidentify with without actually processing where those parts came from so you might have a part of yourself that's actually lazy and then when you see a lazy person it triggers you and triggers the laziness or you have a part of yourself that's very assertive and commanding and so when you see somebody being assertive and commanding it it rubs you the wrong way and you think that they're super egotistical or or very controlling and then it triggers you emotionally the reality is if we're seeing it in our reality if we are seeing perceiving it in our external world and it's trigger us emotionally it's not to say that that person is like us or that we are like that person but it can be that we have something unresolved within us that is related to what we are experiencing which is why the emotional trigger is happening in the first place so when we're very intentional about our focus we're using the four intentions we're embracing what is happening we're embracing the things that are triggering us emotionally rather than resisting and ...saying to ourselves immediately or rejecting them as not being us. Secondly, we're practicing understanding by having that sense of curiosity with our environment. So instead of leading with conclusive statements and closing our perception by saying, I already know what this is about, instead we're leading with questions. So anytime that you can trade a statement or a belief of yours for a question... ...that allows you to learn more and expand your perception... That is when we're practicing understanding and we're using that focus intentionally to say, well, this this thing is emotionally triggering me or I don't fully understand this thing or this makes me uncomfortable. What can I learn about this? What can I learn about myself or what of myself have I not allowed myself to accept or embrace that is creating this emotional trigger? Then intentional focus can also include discipline, which is the pursuit of something meaningful, something that is worthwhile. So if we are focusing and moving towards what is worthwhile and meaningful over what is gratifying and we're practicing discipline and if it's worthwhile to us then we're going to be able to practice that discipline and intentionally focus in that direction one of the things that Marcus Aurelius said in book two where he talked about how the soul degrades itself he said one of the ways that the soul degrades, degrades itself is to move without aim or purpose and simply drift through life what happens when we're just drifting through life is we're actually allowing our nervous system to be essentially dominated by pain and pleasure. So ultimately, what happens there is that we end up moving towards gratification as a default. That's why drifting and not moving with a definiteness of purpose or a worthwhile endeavor takes away our focus and simply causes us to be controlled by pain and pleasure, which is another way that the soul degrades itself is to be overpowered by pain or pleasure. So this is why having discipline and pursuing meaning allows us to be very intentional in our focus. It brings brings up this idea. Uh, One of my favorite books on productivity is the book Essentialism. Um, It's the disciplined pursuit of less. And the reason why Essentialism is such a powerful book is because it focuses on not specifically living a minimalist lifestyle, only doing what you need, because that would be a very bleak existence. That would be a very uh well i would say the existence would lack a lot of joy and fulfillment in it but essentialism is what is most important to you what allows you to feel like you're operating at your highest level of contribution and genuinely fulfilled on a daily basis with whatever it is that you're doing and having discipline is the ability to pursue less but better marcus aurelius would say that if you seek tranquility do less but better And if you seek focus, do something that is worthwhile. Learn something that is worthwhile. Don't simply allow yourself to be dragged around by your impulses or by your triggers or by the things that are simply tempting you towards gratification. Instead, allow yourself to be guided by what you find to be worthwhile, by what you find to be meaningful and purposeful. So practicing essentialism and knowing what is actually important to you and what is not allows you to be able to say no. And the ability to say no to things the ability to not agree with things that you don't agree with or not engage in propositions that you should do but don't actually desire to do or don't actually want to do allows you to have a much more intentional focus right no can be a complete sentence being able to say no to things that don't serve your highest good or that you don't genuinely desire to do with your life is going to be really important there's this awesome video and i've talked about in other episodes before um by freedom of thought and it talks about the idea of doing what is worthwhile in order to create focus to live sincerely to create focus because if we live insincerely then we will constantly be tempted by distractions so living sincerely is also part of having intentional focus also part of being able to focus on what you want and focus on what you seek to create an experience in this life so living sincerely Focus is a natural byproduct of living sincerely. If we're living insincerely, then we are going to constantly be captivated and dragged away by things that we actually want to do. So, in that video of the, the Freedom of Thought video, he talks about this story of a Japanese businessman named Taisho who wants to go and learn how to focus like the Zen Master. So, he climbs this mountain and he goes to see the Zen Master. And when he goes to see him, he says, You are distracted because you live insincerely you do a bunch of things that you don't want to do. And it would be, if you want to focus, if you want that level of concentration, then live sincerely. And he says to the, to the monk, he goes, so you're saying that I, sh- I need to just do what I want? I can't do that. I'm a CEO of a company. I couldn't possibly just do the things that I want. I have all these responsibilities. And he says, I'm not advising you anything. I'm just saying that if you live insincerely, sincerely, you will live a distracted life. And if you live sincerely, Focus will be a natural byproduct of your sincerity. And so, when we are having intentional focus, we must allow ourselves to pursue what is sincere to us. Otherwise, distraction is going to be a side effect of anything that we do insincerely, because the life force that exists within us seeks to express in ways that are meaningful to us on an intuitive level. So if your intuition is calling you to do something and you keep fighting the intuition and doing something else, it's going to attempt to talk to you or you know, communicate with you and signal you that, hey, this is not sincere. This is not what this life is about. And the more and more we fail to listen or we neglect that intuition, the louder it speaks to us and the more it starts to build up resentment and emotional debt in our lives. So when we think about, doing any one activity, if we're unable to do an activity totally and completely without having to distract ourselves with something else, then uh, then chances are that's not an activity that we sincerely want to do. So one of the things that's talked about in Buddhism as well as Zen Buddhism is this idea of being able to totally immerse yourself in any task that you're going to do, being able to totally get into a task and, and have single pointed focus on whatever it is that you're doing, have that discipline, And single point of focus so that you're totally immersed in it so they'll give the example of like when you're washing a dish right you're washing it you know in this circular motion and it's almost like a dance and you're you're really immersed in the process and you're totally there and just experiencing the sensory experience of what it is to wash that dish when you're doing that you're totally present in the mind so when it comes to buddhism and the the belief systems and the doctrines around reincarnation or why somebody would reincarnate the whole idea is that if a person feels or if the the soul feels that it has left things undone so to speak or unlearned in other words if it carries with it resentment and regret and wishing that it would have done something different then the soul in the idea of the reincarnation doctrine comes back to live another life to learn those lessons now I'm not claiming to know what happens when a person dies. I don't know, (laughs) and I'm not going to pretend that I do. But what I would say is that when you live totally intentional, which is the whole reason for having the four intentions, is as a self-governing guide to bring you into intentionality, to bring you very present with your direct experience, then the less resentment we build and the less emotional debt we'll accumulate by living insincerely. So going back to the freedom of thought video, The monk tells this businessman, he says, if you seek to focus then live sincerely, because the other option of being able to focus is the path of not sincerity, but the path of imprisonment. And the example that he gives, he says, when a person is imprisoned, all they do with their time is they read and they exercise. They do the things that everybody seems to have so much trouble getting themselves to do from a habitual place they read an exercise because there's literally nothing else they can do to distract them and how there are people who fantasize about being able to lock themselves in a chamber for an extended period of time to only focus on their work and be free from distraction if that is a thought or a fantasy which i've i've absolutely had that fantasy of like if i could just lock myself you know in a in a hut on a mountain, then I'll be good. Like I won't, like I won't be distracted. I could just really focus on my work and, you know, write about Zen Stoic philosophy and and do these podcast episodes and do coaching and like I've had that that thought before myself. And to me, when I've had that thought, that thought is not necessarily a helpful one in the sense of fantasizing about it is not necessarily going to make things better. But that thought existing to me is symptomatic of there is insincerity in the process so the fantasy of wanting to take the path of imprisonment to create our focus to you know cut away all distractions as a means of being able to focus is actually symptomatic of being insincere in your process in the way that you are living your life because there needs to be a sense of joy and something compelling about your process and how you live your life or how you pursue your endeavors That allows you to express sincerely so that it pulls you back and that focus once again is a natural byproduct so the best way to have intentional focus is to live sincerely to be totally intentional pursuing something that is worthwhile where focus is a natural byproduct and to consist and be endlessly curious right albert einstein would say that it's not that he had any special talent but that he was passionately curious about life he would always pursue understanding more he would always lead with a question lead with that curiosity to expand his perception and to be able to embrace all that is in life not just to bear the existence but to actively love it to practice amor fati like frederick nietzsche would talk about we are able to embrace life embrace ourselves and embrace even the things that trigger us emotionally even the things that are in essence uh experiences that we don't like If we're able to embrace those things and be curious enough to dig within ourselves and figure out, well, what part of myself have I rejected or have I cast into the shadows of my mind that is causing these triggers? If we allow those four intentions to come up into our lives, then we are able to be totally intentional with our focus. And so we live sincerely, we pursue what is worthwhile, we become endlessly curious about learning more and more about what we've deemed worthwhile in our lives, and we embrace all that comes up. This is how we make it so that we're able to easily bring our focus back to what we want anytime something happens that we don't want. This is different than just being toxically positive about everything and always finding the silver lining before you understand anything because that's not necessarily what I'm saying here. But if something comes up and you're like, no, 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 let me just focus on the positive, that's not necessarily going to be intentionally focusing, right? That might be a form of bypass, a form of resistance and expediency all at the same time. So, What we want to do instead is give ourselves the opportunity to be totally intentional and that when something comes up, to embrace it, to become curious about it, to take our curiosity, to take what we learn and convert it into something meaningful, into meaningful action or meaningful expression, and allow ourselves to be totally sincere about what that is. You bring all four of those intentions together and you're able to focus intentionally. This is what integral concentration is all about. Integral concentration is the ability to focus your attention in a meaningful way that is worthwhile to you. Now, right concentration in the original eightfold path was all about achieving the four jhanas. Now, jhana being meditation absorption are states of being that a person can achieve the more and more time they spend in concentration. Now, the purpose of concentrating is to remove the five hindrances. Now, the five hindrances are unwholesome states that a person might have through the accumulation of emotional debt through their lives, accumulation of resentment, accumulation of regret, things that essentially weigh on them from their past. And when we have right concentration, then we are able to remove those states of being from ourselves. Now, the five hindrances are the following. The first hindrance is sensory desire. So sensory desire is essentially the moving towards gratification from a sensory perspective from your five senses so you know seeing things that are pleasurable uh, hearing things smelling things tasting things feeling things that are pleasurable that essentially please the five senses now again there's nothing wrong with having pleasurable sensory experience but when we use pleasurable sensory experience as a way of bypassing our emotional debt or our resentment or um, any of the things that we hold within ourselves that's when it becomes a hindrance to our ability to focus. That's when distraction becomes a very tempting proposition for us because it'll help us with our sensory experience. The second hindrance is ill will. So this is harboring negative thoughts towards other people. This is harboring resentment. This is harboring um, you know, uh, fantasies of revenge on somebody. So having ill will or wanting bad for someone else is a hindrance of the mind that, again, is a byproduct of living an unintentional life. If we're living in delusion, if we're consistently resisting ourselves and others, right? The uh, the the very thought of having ill will towards another person will come from the utter rejection of the premise that they are triggering something that exists within you that is unresolved, and that if you embrace the experience of that, you'll actually have the ability to clear that within yourself. If you embrace and you get curious and you understand that, then the ability to actually remove that from yourself becomes possible. But if you have ill will towards somebody, then what that's saying is that you're not even embracing that possibility that you're still seeing them as other from yourself. And if we think about that whole idea of perception is projection, we want to really remember that because the external world is a mirror to us. It's showing us everything that we can learn about ourselves. It's allowing us the opportunity to make the unconscious conscious. So what's most important is that when something emotionally triggers us, instead of going into ill will. We get at the cause of it and we embrace what's happening in that moment so that we may clear that from ourselves. The third hindrance is sloth. So this is essentially to approach things half-heartedly without any energy, right? To to essentially go into life half-ass. And when you do that, you are essentially not being present. You're passing through life in a haze. You're not allowing yourself to be fully alive or fully present mind and body. So if we're Allowing ourselves or tolerating low energy within ourselves, if we're tolerating kind of being one foot in, one foot out not truly present in things, then we're passing through life in the, in a haze of, of a lack of attention. And if we do that, then ultimately we're not going to be able to actually concentrate because we're being pulled in multiple directions. So sloth is the third hindrance and that gets cleared from integral concentration. The fourth hindrance is restlessness and worry. So restlessness and worry in the mind happens when we kind of create this arbitrary race within ourselves to you know, you know, know, get to the finish line of life, to only focus on the destination. When we have only focus on the destination and no love for the process, then we get restless in our pursuits. We worry about whether or not we're going to get that thing. So this really ties back to when we were talking about living insincerely naturally will bring up distraction in our lives it'll make distraction a very tempting proposition because we get worried about not getting the outcome and so when we get worried about not getting the outcome or the object of our desire we build that emotional attachment and then we start to ruminate we start to worry about not getting that thing and restlessness and worry are going to completely prevent a person from having that intentional focus that we were talking about because it if, we're, if you have restlessness and worry, if you have anxiety, you think of it like this. All right, Dr. Tad James, the creator of Timeline Therapy would say that anxiety is a signal from the unconscious mind that you are focusing on what you don't want. Now, intentional focus is focusing on what you do want, what you do seek to create an experience. If you're focusing on what you don't want, what's going to end up happening is you're unconsciously going to move in the direction of that thing. Now, this does not mean that you deny the possible obstacles that may come up in your way. What this means is that you embrace the obstacles that come up in your way, but you don't harp on them and you don't worry about them. You don't become restless about them. Instead, you embrace the obstacles as opportunities to show you where you are not yet liberated within yourself so that you may clear it in that moment that's the whole point of obstacles that's why the obstacle is the way is because every obstacle that we encounter gives us an opportunity to clear that within ourselves so that we may become more free in our lives and the fifth hindrance is doubt a lack of conviction a lack of faith now when we have doubt we are not able to fully concentrate because doubt again is also a product of focusing on what we don't want when we doubt We have a limiting story about what we're capable of. We have a limiting story about the resolution of whatever the pursuit is gonna be. So when there's doubt, we are not able to fully concentrate. So when we have the hindrance of doubt, then it doesn't allow us to have full concentration on what it is that we're doing. And so when we practice right concentration or integral concentration, the whole idea of this is that the practice of that concentration, being in that meditative state, Allows us the opportunity to clear the five hindrances from our being, from our experience. And so, what this goes into are what are called the four jhanas, the four different experiences of meditation absorption. Now, the first jhana is characterized as detachment, right? In the beginning of the Zen Stoic Eightfold Path, we talked about the four noble truths and how the root of all suffering is attachment. So, the first jhana, first experience of meditation absorption, is emotional detachment. We detach from those five hindrances, and they're replaced with applied thought, sustained thought, rapture, happiness, and single-pointed focus. So applied thought is thought that is intentional, right? We are being very intentional about our thoughts, so using the four intentions of Zen Stoic allow you to have that applied thought when you are intending through the intentions you're intending towards your own humanity. When you sustain that thought you are consistently being intentional even in moments where it might be difficult when you experience rapture you experience great pleasure and joy in that moment and the happiness that also comes online from that is the detachment from those emotional attachments that you previously had that were run by those five hindrances and then the single pointedness of thought allows us to fully concentrate on what it is that we're doing the second jhana is characterized by concentration So in the second jhana applied thought and sustained thought fall away and are replaced with ease so what is left is the pleasurable euphoric experience of rapture the happiness from being emotionally detached and the single pointed focus so now there's no longer even thoughts towards what it is that we're doing there's no applied thought there's no sustained thought we are just living in the presence of our own intentionality Now, the third jhana is characterized by the falling away of joy and the replacement of ease of being. So, in this state, what is left is happiness and single-pointed focus. And in the fourth jhana, ease falls away and there is nothing but stillness, equanimity, and single-pointed focus. And we can think of equanimity as, even in a world of distraction and chaos, being totally at peace and in harmony with oneself, being totally still unbothered by anything and still having the ability to have that single pointed focus this is the process that ensues when one practices integral concentration and one of the best ways to practice integral concentration is through meditation now for those who may say to themselves oh well i i meditate when i run or i meditate when i'm working out that's my meditation i talk to the former Navy SEAL commander, Mark Devine, on one of our episodes, one of the episodes of this podcast, which is a fantastic episode, by the way, he would talk about how in order to truly practice c- concentration, we must do so through meditation. So meditation is gonna be the gateway to being able to practice this intentional focus in one's life because it will bring the concentration element online. And this is how we get into these flow states when we're able to concentrate and have single-pointed focus on our breath, a mantra, Maybe a, a, a candle lit flame. Anytime we're able to practice this concentration and truly bring our focus and attention to one spot, to that single pointed concentration, we are able to live in a flow state. We are able to detach from the things that cause our suffering, able to let go of our emotional debt and replace them with things that are truly worthwhile and fulfilling to us in our lives. This is what it means to have integral concentration so that we may live with intentional focus and create the life that we seek to experience create the life that is truly liberated where we can be ourselves and as Marcus Aurelius would say to stand straight and not straightened integral concentration is about being able to get rid of all of our crutches of all of our attachments of who we think we are and allow ourselves to stand as we are. Not needing the world to validate us, but simply being able to stand sincerely as the person that we are, totally liberated from the attachment to validation of the outside world. Knowing that we are the source, knowing that we are the convergence point at any given moment to create the chain and liberation that we seek in our lives. I hope you enjoyed this Zen Stoic rendition of the Eightfold Path. This has been a joy for me, To record as well as to learn in the process to deliver this message in the way that i have so if you enjoyed this episode if you enjoyed this series please like comment and share with somebody that you care about if you got value out of this or something here resonated with you share it with a friend that you care about and i'd love to know what your biggest takeaway was so feel free to message me on social at victor.zenstoic to ask me your most important questions or things that you want clarity on or to share with me what you got out of this episode or what you got out of the whole series. So thank you so much for listening and I'll see you on the next episode.